You're listening to Conversations of Inspiration with Ben Moore and Scott Gunn on the EXP podcast. The show that brings you expert insights from those who have had an exponential impact on their industries. They say that success leaves footprints. So take a walk with us as we explore all things growth, business and mindset every Monday from 7am. Sit back, relax and enjoy today's show. Three, two, one. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Can I just say, before you start talking, I'm looking at my screen. This is potentially the best looking podcast I have ever seen. <laughs> and I take myself out of that. You two are looking exceptional today. So good to be, uh, good to be the black sheep. <laughs> it turns out you can filter your face on Zoom. Did you know that? Really? You yeah, like I, won't, I, I won't scale it up and down because this, this is slightly filtered. Yeah. Well, it's taken a year off on it, at least. Out of all the useless <laughs> information you've ever given me, I think that's the one golden nugget. So if I take it's one a long list. From, if I take one thing from this Zoom call, let it be that. <laughs> a long list. Uh, but Rich, welcome. Good to have you here. Thank you. Good to be with you guys. Absolutely. So how's life? How's things treating you over on stateside? Yeah, very well. Um, no complaints. Uh, uh, definitely, uh, I'm in the overachiever stage of my life where people never expected that life would be this nice for me, including myself. So uh definitely just grateful and present <laughs> well do you know what rich that's something that when me and scott were speaking before you jumped onto the uh the podcast this afternoon obviously me and scott have both been blessed to be able to work with you fairly closely over the last couple of years and without blowing too much smoke up your backside you've been you know so valuable to us in helping us grow our businesses but also educating us on how we can better support agents here in the uk and um we know obviously your position at the moment you've had a lot of impacts within the real estate world globally by this point with what you've achieved at exp but one thing that me and scott aren't too sure on is your backstory so i know you know we're looking forward to finding out more about I guess the the man behind the legend <laughs> and digging into that a little bit. <laughs> um, we must have, we've lowered the bar on the definition of legendary. <laughs> Thank God. Um, yeah. How far you want to go back from uh, uh, the day of birth or maybe around 18? You Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I think what we, again, the conversation we had before we sort of hit record is, is that where you're at now in terms of your business and, and the success that you're enjoying and, and deserve is that frankly what you've got would appear unobtainable to most people and actually having worked with you now for the last 18 months I've, I've, I've seen your business grow and having watched it grow actually that gives me the confidence that it is actually obtainable because it seems to be that there's a structure and a way to do it and almost almost a bit of a get rich slowly process which is the book I would write if I wrote a book um, now having made mistakes of trying every get rich quick scheme there there, there ever was yeah. and so I'm sort of interested just to go to the beginning of you know your your sort of your beginnings in real estate you know I mean first question I'd like to ask is is why real estate you know why did you end up in in that industry in the first place Rich? Um, well it was a very simple uh, decision for me I had uh, dropped out of college back in 1999 so it was going to be a life of manual labor or I could go work with my dad who was in the real estate industry. So in order to reconcile and be invited back to the house after that news that I dropped, real estate it was. Okay, okay. Very, very, very few options in, in the United States without a college degree um, that have a, a pathway forward from a, from a financial stance. And uh, even though now I think in the temperature that we're in now, trades are probably the way to go because we have so many college graduates that 
are, you know, have an art major and they're making $30,000 a year sitting behind a desk miserable. So uh, I'm not a pro college person necessarily. um, But in that sense, really, it was going to be some some type of trade or I could become a real estate appraiser with my dad. So he really threw me a bone and I, and I took it. So did your dad, um, was your dad always selling real estate as you as a boy growing up? Is that something that you was always familiar with as a young lad? Or is it something that he took on late and you just kind of jumped on the ship? Yeah, I had no interest in real estate. Uh, and, I, and, and, and I honestly still don't. I have interest in people and real estate is the venue for people. Um, but uh, my dad was a real estate appraiser for most of my uh, childhood. So I would go with him to work a lot if I wanted to see him on the weekends because he, he worked hard. And um, so, yeah, I was familiar and, and, and very comfortable within the industry uh, from a periphery, but, uh, but actually, uh, you know, sitting in the classroom, daydreaming while the teacher's talking, being a real estate, an estate agent or, or in the real estate industry had zero appeal, to be very honest. And over there in the States, Rich, just curious, because I know that it's kind of a totally different world, really, to what we experience over in the UK. Like, as you know, traditionally, estate agents or real estate agents, as you'd say, you know, it's not seen as a, um, a sought after profession. It's not something that you grow up thinking, I'm going to go into selling houses. It tends to be something that people mainly fall into. Yeah. Where you're from, is it the complete opposite? Is it something that's, you know, you've done well if you're a successful real estate agent or is it just something that you kind of stumble forward with and, and take? Like, how is it viewed like culturally? Um, probably somewhere in the middle, depending on what kind of agent you are and what you project. Um, I think right now with uh, uh, the millennials coming into the real estate business uh, in droves, um, it's probably a pretty attractive career to get into because uh, the value system for that generation is freedom and uh, lifestyle and um, you know uh, lack of force structure. Uh, if you talk to my grandparents, you know, it's a car sales, real estate agent, you know. So it just depends on the generation. I think right now, presently, it's probably a, very subjective to the, to the generation that's describing it. For me, you know, I'm in my mid-40s. I think a real estate job is uh, probably equivalent to uh, uh, a teacher, a dental, uh, a dental hygienist, somewhere in that like lower middle class level. And then, you know, the breakaways are people, you know, I mean, I live next to doctors and lawyers and I don't have eight years of school student debt or half of the knowledge and pain that they put through uh, to, to achieve that. Now we have a different kind of pain in this business, but, um, but anyway, so, you know, I don't know, it's hard to box it in, you know, you pretty much have self-employed and employed. I think that's the, probably the biggest divider. Yeah. I guess there's something really honest about the way that it works over in the U S and the way that we're trying to change things here in the UK, that it does give you that. I mean, I looked at my, not to drill too deep into numbers, but I looked at my salary last month and I thought, wow, I've earned more than a GP, like a, you know, like a doctor, without that kind of education i'm nowhere near on that level of intelligence but it just kind of brings average people like us into a position where you know you've got the opportunity to maybe make more than what it was expected of you you know kind of coming through so, so ben what would be the first if, if you said to somebody put a state agent in the uk in a category of another job i wonder if you'll say the same one i'm thinking of what other job do you think we'd get compared to the most like a recruitment agent or something like that I was thinking traffic warden. A traffic, oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Every pole I ever see, we're alongside like traffic wardens. Um, but again, this is something that Ben and I have spoken about. The industry's changing over here. And I think it might be that, you know, at the moment, the salaries you can earn and, and the hours you have to work, it's just not, it's not going to attract the right people in the UK. 
Whereas now that we've essentially removed that barrier to go and earn really good money, I think over the next few years, we're going to start to attract some people from other industries with other backgrounds. And I can only see the quality getting higher, but um, you know, we'll see. We're doing our best, aren't we, Ben? We're doing our best, mate, but you're dead right. It's been a complete false economy on it. Like, you know, the, the fees aren't there, the money's not there. So the reinvestment's not happening. We're not bringing the right talent in. And as a result, no one's winning, least of all the consumer. So yeah, taking a lot of inspiration from what you guys are doing over the pond, Rich, that's for sure. So taking it back to when you started then, I'm just interested because obviously I know, you know, I know the after story. I know where you're at today. Did your dad have his own brokerage? Was he quite entrepreneurial? Was he working no. as part of the brokerage? How, how, how did that look? Like, what was the... What was the the vibe like? What was instilled into you? Was it dream big and, and go for it? Or was he kind of more of a nine to five type guy? What was the what was the setup? Well, so my dad's kind of a wild dude. So I don't know how to really, you know, characterize him. <laughs> I don't classify him as far as uh, he's definitely not a nine to five guy. And he's definitely not entrepreneurial, neither of the two. Um, he worked for an appraisal firm in which he was like the top. He's a hard worker and he's, and he's very confident. Um, so, but I don't think it was ever his dream to have his own business. Now, that being said, both my parents were self-employed, uh, back in the eighties and nineties, which is, was sort of unusual here. Um, but, uh, they're not big dreamers. They were very pragmatic. What, what ended up happening was a graduation. If that, if, if I'm the best person at this office, then why am I at this office? So there was, it was sort of like an evolution of, you know, I don't know what the value add is here. And that's how they landed in self-employment. Now, once they landed in self-employment, scaling and building empires was never on their radar. It was just providing for the family and, um, you know, maybe eliminating one middleman. So that's kind of the complete opposite to you then now in terms of your psyche and, and your mentality, is it not? In terms of you have had big picture thinking, presumably to get to where you're at now in your business. So did that transition happen slowly over time? Was that something that was always within you somewhere? Do you think like, was this always the goal that you'd go on to achieve what you've had or no. has it happened completely by accident? Yeah, I think it was accidental. So, you know, uh, in our, in our business here in the States, um, our realtors have uh, these stereotypes there <laughs> that everybody laughs at. And, um, you know, we have a lot of huge egos and, and, uh, you know, so for me, you know, I mean, I'm covered in tattoos and, you know, I used to smoke cigarettes and I, I'm pretty straightforward. Uh, I really didn't belong in this business. I stuck out. So to, to amass an empire of thousands of agents was never on my radar. Um, what I think that lent uh, uh, itself uh, to me very well was um, I didn't really like the real estate business. Again, I, this wasn't my first choice in life. And I saw EXP as a disruptor um, that was going to even out it was the Robin hood for me. It was going to even out the compensation plan to where we weren't being used up and spit out. And, you know, uh, like any rebel without a clue <laughs> or a cause, I was able to, um, like the, the, the anarchy of disrupting a really, really broken business. And EXP had a lot of solutions, uh, for what other companies, uh, ignored, um, as you know, just a blind spot that we have to deal with. So when I came over to eXp, I was pretty vocal in explaining, hey, guys, you know, we're spending our entire time trying to explain to people that they need to own real estate to build equity and have an easier time of it once that mortgage is finally paid. And we're out here renting our careers, giving endless money or, or, or trading our dreams for a salary. That's another shitty proposition, if you want me to be honest. So, so, so with that mentality, 
and seeing this as a real solution because I didn't have all the answers. I found myself armed to finally battle. And maybe it's just the testosterone within my body, but I like adventure. I like battle and I like helping people. So we picked the fight and we picked the fight with the industry. And I found some people that were highly frustrated that were gray haired like I am that had distant marriages and, and uh, missed out years with their kids. And I said, Hey guys, let's fix this. Let's change this. And we started with a, we, we started uh, by myself as a lone wolf. And then I had a pack and then we had an army and now it's an empire. And the whole key is that it'll continue to grow if it serves the people. And if it doesn't, then it shouldn't grow. <laughs> Man, that, that's incredible though. Cause just, just listening to what you're saying there, Rich, so many parallels anecdotally between certainly how I found it when EXP came into the UK. But for us, it was a massive, 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 massive culture shock in that it was truly going against the grain because as you know, the model, the systems, the structure is totally different in a UK market. So for us, it was like night and day. And me and Scott always make a running joke of how you know, we just stumbled across the XP and did it frankly because we didn't have any other options. Yeah, and now we get to like pioneers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. I know the story, the story is always better that's... after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> but for all we knew, it could have quite easily went the other way. But it, but it's kind of interesting to see that that was exactly your experience over there. And I kind of thought, obviously, I'm not familiar with the, you know, the core origins of VXP and what it was all like and what the market was like and perceptions were like when it all came around. But it sounds like it was quite forward thinking, quite innovative, quite different, even for a yes. US market where by our standards, we'd say that you're quite innovative anyway, because of the way that you were. Yeah, work. no, I, I, it, it was, it was, it was definitely um, uh, out of the box. So, you know, we were one large leap away from where you guys operate, you know, thanks to you guys, I understand um, uh, the, how you guys perform out there uh, in a very general sense. So, here in the United States, we had gone through the entire critical thinking piece and the, the cultural shock uh, just a little before you guys are going through it now, where you can either um, take a salary and work for somebody, or you can be self-employed and run your own business. And that, that, that strikes fear in every heart across the world. doesn't matter how ambitious you are. We understand uh, uh, the higher the risk, the higher reward. So I never apologize for where we're at because there were times that we were so broke and uh, everything was lost, but a, 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 a granular level of hope, <laughs> right? So, so when you're, whenever you're playing, you know, big stakes games like this, the spectrums is where you spend a lot of time. And, you know, so we had gotten through that and we had all of our, our real estate agents, mostly, we do have some companies that, that, that hire agents and pay them an hourly wage, but most of our business was on a self-employed model. So, so we had gotten through half of the hurdle right there where you guys are still going through that first half of it. Once we got past that, the next program was to, to default subconsciously right back into wanting a boss, even though we have claimed that we are our own boss. So people would start to, to, to cling on to the identity and brand of their companies and their companies had a unilateral relationship. They go out there, extract the business and pay the mothership all the money. But there was this loyalty, this, this illogical loyalty that my brokerage was the reason why I'm successful even though there was nothing to support that. So that was the part that we had to spend time breaking and saying, listen, if you're branding the company, it's because you have no brand or because you haven't created one or that you're not aware of how confident you should be. So we were able to move into the space where, you know, EXP would only launch if we could get the narrative to the agents that you guys are the brand, they're hiring you. 
They don't care about the agency that you work for. And if they do, then they would have hired anybody. So I think you need to hone your skills. So once we were able to kind of build that case, the next hurdle that we had was all of this technology is awesome and it's giving us an advantage, but how um, remote will, are we able to be, right? We're, 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 we're a social group, human beings. So, uh, and then COVID happened and we doubled in size. So I think that the, the model here um, uh, is not for everybody, but it's for anybody that math matters to. <laughs> so we start there. And, and for you guys, I think that, you know, your biggest hurdle is just getting people to say, listen, you know, can I gamble on myself? A lot of people that are working at other uh, state agencies, uh, if, if they were being totally honest and not worrying about how they came off, they would say, I'm confident because I'm, I'm pretty good at what I do yet they still won't hire themselves. They still won't bet on themselves. So when you guys uh, had nothing better on the horizon and you bumped into EXP and you put your chips in, you know, we can't discount the value of that. Sure, maybe it would have been a harder decision if you, know, uh, you had gone up the ranks into a more miserable position and a more successful position. But the fact of the matter is uh, it takes people like us to pioneer these things. And it's not always because we, were, we had the foresight or vision. It's because uh, our circumstances were uh, uh, lesser than or the fact that we just won't settle. Like I, I, at this point in my life, I don't want any other human being to tell me when I need to work, when I don't, how often I should answer my phone, where I need to sit, when my lunchtime is. These are controlment things for me. And to be self-employed, I, I self-govern, which is what I think we're meant to do instinctually. I think it's interesting what I mean, the self-employed and, and the mentality. You know, I remember when you look back to how long ago? What, 18 months ago when we had the first lockdown in the UK? Ben would have been very fresh into starting his new estate agency. Um, I was maybe six to eight weeks in. And I remember the whole world running around panicking. And, and I was calmer than most people at that point. And I'm a warrior by nature. And part of the reason I felt quite calm is, is I saw two people. In the same day, I saw an owner that I know that has got a 10, 15 uh, sort of brokerage branch estate agency over here, 220 staff. He drove past me and I wanted to WhatsApp him and say, hey, man, hope you're doing OK. But I didn't because I thought he might think I was being sarcastic and just trying to wind him up. Mm. But I thought you're in a worse position than me today. You're in a worse position. But more importantly, then I thought he's got an axe over the head of 220 people right now. There's 220 people sat at home, employed by him, who are awaiting that individual's decision on whether or not they've got a job on Monday. And that scared, that scared me way more than the lockdown, the virus. <laughs> that's, that's, that, would have, that would have scared the living daylights out of me. And, and like you say, what wonderful position to be in where not one human being on the planet can dictate to you what you do next. Yeah, this is going to bother some people more than others. And the ones that it bothers, uh, I suspect, are the most internally frustrated with this. So like, you know, when, 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 like if, when I look at the, 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 the grid of our faces, I've got three people that answer only to our own families, right? I've got three people that have no ceiling on our incomes. And that's also no bottom. <laughs> we can all be homeless, right? Um, but I have, I, I have three people that are betting on themselves. And what I've decided that if, you know, if we only live one life and I'm going to go through this um, and, and you know, handpick the people that I'm going to surround myself with, 
this is probably the group that I want to hang out with. So it was very much within alignment with my personal philosophy, my professional philosophy, um, the people that I wanted to surround myself with uh, were going to be resourceful people. I mean, I think, I think that's so important. I know it sounds a bit cliche at this point, but you know, there's that old um, saying that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And, and I think I never really bought into that before, but now that I, I, I kind of always think that I was, I was always into a social group that was given to me by default rather than by design. So just people who happen to be near me geographically, people who went to the same boxing gym, people who I played football with, not necessarily people that I choose to spend time with if it was that I could do it by design. And I just look at my own mindset and how that shifted, how I've evolved as a person over the last couple of years. I mean, Rich, I was talking to you last week about, can you help me get, build my team in New York? Like 18 months ago, do you think I'd have been thinking about agents in New York, like no chance. And that's because I'm speaking to people who've challenged me to raise my thinking and look at a global opportunity rather than a UK based opportunity. And I think that's, that's so relative, whether you're at the bottom of the ladder going from, you know, the comfort blanket of having a very average salary working in a branch and you're thinking, do I dare go self-employed or whether you're a bit further up the ladder and you're thinking more about global expansion, it's all relative to where you're up to. But I think the question that I always come back to guys, I don't know if you two are cut from the same cloth. It's always a question of, well, what's the worst that could happen? Okay, if it doesn't work out, if I end up with egg yeah. on my face, if I try my best and I can look back with no regrets, so what? I'll go back to the same position I'm in now. I'll go to another branch on the same wage, like I'm no worse off. In fact, if anything, your stock probably rises because now you've got it in you that you've got more business experience and you look better on paper or to a potential employer that you've had that about you to go ahead and, and, and dare to be great. So People always hire you back for more. You know, I remember when I was a recruiter, I used to say to people, look, help me, I will help you find a new great job. You'll be offered that new great job. One of two things will happen. Either you take the new great job or you go back to your current employer and they've got to match what you've been offered. You know, I just, I could never get my head around why people don't explore sort of more options, really. It's always been something, I guess, it's either in you or not. Um, I, I, Rich, I'm keen to ask you because success doesn't come easy. You know, and, and by almost anyone's metric, you're a successful guy. But going back eight years, whenever it was that you were first starting, you know, how, how did you, and the reason I ask this question, just to frame it a little bit, is we've got a lot of agents in the UK, we've got 200 plus and new to self-employed. Most have joined because they're chasing a greater income, but also likely uh, uh, improved lifestyle. And it, that's a difficult thing to juggle because if you've just got to work on one, that's okay. If you've just got to go and make money, that's fine. You work 100 hours a week, you make as much money as you can. But it's really difficult for new people when they're self-employed to know when to turn it on and yeah. when to put the brakes on. So, you know, is that something that's come naturally to you? How, how, no. how do you manage that? Right. No, it hasn't. Um, you know, trading dollars for hours is a bad trade. Um, and I, you know, what's mystifying. So by the way, Ben, I am cut from the same cloth. I felt the same way. Worst case scenario is my life is exactly like it was exactly. two months ago, whatever. So, um, but I mean, essentially um, what, what's mystifying to me is that if you're making, you know, 40,000 pounds a year and you can save 3000 pounds a year at the end of all your expenses and lifestyle, and you can add that up over the course of 30, 40 years, and it's not enough to retire on or not enough to comfortably retire on how in the world can you continue to, 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 to deal in that insanity, right? At some point we need to advance the ball fast. So, um, you know, my whole risk was like, listen, if I do five or 10 years 
the hard way, the riskiest way, I might be able to hopefully statistically recapture 30, 40 years of doing whatever I want. So to, to, to answer your question, Scott, you know, I think people need coaches <laughs> or they need to be surrounded by the five people that they chose at this level. So like, you know, for us, we can learn a lot more off each other than we could with our four friends when we were 15. Right. Yep. And, 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 you know, so habits are everything. I, I posted uh, yesterday on Facebook about time management and, you know, so, so if you're, if you're making a lot more money um, uh, uh, at EXP uh, than any conventional estate agency uh, because of our pay structure, that means that you don't have to do as many deals. So you can get the lifestyle. Now, the question is, is that um, are you disciplined enough to, to first off in the morning, get the medicine, take your medicine early? So for me, I think it's pretty easy. You know, everything that happens as soon as I enter my workspace or my work time is all offense. I don't do any single task that doesn't yield some sort of uh, capital return on it. Now, I'm not motivated by money. I'm motivated by helping people. But if I'm in the business of helping people sell houses, I better start helping people right away. So at some point on some of them, I can be compensated for it. So I spend that first few hours, I'm not in production anymore, but I spend that first few hours um, uh, simply going on the attack, being aggressive, getting the business done. And then the rest of the time on servicing the business and doing tasks that we can't afford to delegate yet. But knowing the highest and best use of your time, it's always lead generation. It's always servicing the client, negotiating, showing property, stuff like that. So in that sense, you got to get that stuff done early. So when you have somebody who's you know, making 40% more at EXP, and then they wake up the next morning and they don't do anything, they've actually changed. They couldn't get away with that at their former job. All you have yep. to do is not psych yourself out. Do exactly what you're doing at your own co your old company. From what I understand from you guys, they don't just feed you leads all day, right? That's right. Okay, so do exactly what you're doing at the old company. Do it here. And, and the analogy that I always use is that, you know, you're walking up the staircase at the old company and here you're walking up the escalator but you still have to walk. <laughs> you still have to climb the steps. Right. So, so, I mean, I don't think it's a, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think it's something where you take your medicine, you do it early. Uh, you're getting paid at a ratio to where you can do less units. Now it's not my, you know, propensity to, to do less units because I can make the same amount of money. What I would do is the same amount of units that I was doing at the other part and make more money. Right. So, yeah, I, I think I think people are, are, are really just victims of terrible habits and, 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 and non-critical thinking. You, you got to think about it. If you're taking a, an hourly job and you report to the office every morning at 8 a.m. and you get home at 6 p.m., every single day is exactly the same as the last day. So you don't need any critical thinking. You're working on autopilot the entire time because nothing interesting is ever happening. <laughs> And to me, that is like uh, such a sad narrative. <laughs> so what's awesome about what we do is every day is a bit different. So you might take a mental health day tomorrow and go walk in the garden with your kids and have a sandwich outside on the grass because it's sunny outside, whereas that might not be an option for somebody else. Each day is unique. I don't understand how we're uh, in the minority of, of seeking that out. I think that's uh, that's so relevant and applicable to anything. I did a post, ironically, last week talking about, you know, my nutrition habits and my exercise hasn't been great over the last six months. So now I'm back boxing, I'm in the gym, I'm watching my diet. And it's like, actually, this process of getting fitter and leaning down 
it's not rocket science. I need to move a bit more, eat a bit less, adhere to a deficit. It's as simple as that. If I do those things, I'll hit the goal. But actually, it's all the other things. It's motivation, it's mood, it's a lack of prioritization, it's no discipline. It's all these things that complicate the process. It, essentially, it's, it's me as a human complicating a very simple what should be a very simple process to follow. And I think that's applicable to so many different things, to relationships, to business goals, corp, whatever it is. And that's exactly that. But Rich, how, how, how easy or how hard was it for you to install that discipline into your routine? Because I'll be honest, mate, sometimes I'll come, you know, I'll set about a week, I'll know what I want to achieve and I'll be ultra disciplined. I'll be very proactive. I'll be very offensive and I'll, I'll achieve what I want to achieve. But sometimes it just falls to complete shit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, I get it. <laughs> like how, you know, please tell me you're human and you you have the same inconsistencies or have you got it so nailed down now and ingrained into your processes that it's just so habitual that you've managed to, to be incredibly strict with it? So that's a good question. So consistency is is the litmus test for how committed you are, <laughs> right? I mean, we're all committed for the first week. When you get your business cards and your logos and, you know, you tell everybody that you're in business, that's great. Like, what, what happens on week two, right? Yep. So with a diet, you know, same thing, right? The first week, you're down three pounds. Everything's going great. Week two, the commitment's tested. And it's always tested through consistency. And the consistency is what separates the, the, the pack at the front. Just when it comes down to it, if there is a magic sauce in life, it's micro habits done daily with patience measured over time. It's that simple. So to answer your question specifically, I never have off weeks. <laughs> it's not that I'm not human. It's just that, you know, I drive hard from nine to 11 o'clock every day. And I feel like I can do two hours of insanity to, you know, for lack of a better word, just uh, take it easy. You know, I can get, I allow myself to be lazy in the afternoons. That's probably where I cheat myself. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm first thing in the morning. I do all the stuff that I have to do. And then I'm lazy all day, but I never start lazy. I only finish lazy. So instead of having it like one week, you're an overachiever. And then the following week, you know, you're in sweatpants, laying on the couch, eating, you know, chips uh, midday. Um, what I would always do is, is just, you know, get the job done in the morning and then eat chips every day. <laughs> right? See, I think we see, it's funny how you can work and fitness. They're so similar. How often have you done or half an hour on the treadmill? And then have two donuts in the afternoon because you've done half an hour on the treadmill. And it's amazing how often you, you, the reward you give yourself can be greater than what you've earned, right? So you go and burn like 50 calories on the treadmill and go and eat 500 in the afternoon to reward. And I think, see, I think we've got a really interesting, again, where we're sort of getting to 18 months self-employed. A lot of people are coming to uh, to the end of their first year of income. And I can see a, a couple of trends. I think we've got some people that have done really well financially that now maybe reward themselves a bit too soon. Yes. And, and I've caught myself doing that, caught myself doing that, and hopefully in time, but I have. But also I think we've got people who are joining who are starting their self-employed journey, journey whether it be with us or, or others. And what they're doing is they're, they're very commonly now looking at the people that are 18 months in advance. They haven't seen what's been put in. They're just seeing the output now. And I think we've got to be really careful about how we promote that because, you know, it, an Instagram account just showing you a great body is not very useful. But someone, who's that fellow? Who's that American fellow, the military bloke that shows his alarm every day at like 5 a.m.? Who's that one? David. It's always on show. 
no, no, no. The other one. He's always on Joe Rogan. Jocko? That's him. That's him. So, you know, what I admire about him is he's showing the input, not the output. Constantly yes. showing the work. And I admire that. I think, I think his, his Instagram's like 500 pictures of his alarm. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. 5 a.m., 5 a.m., 5 a.m. Yeah. And I, the reason, you know, one thing, and I guess you would be, somebody could easily look at you, Rich, and, 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 and miss out on the work that you've put in. But going back to your first year in business or your first successful year in business, you know, what did that look like? What did you put in to get where you are now? Oh, God. I, I dealt with rejection constantly. Um, you know, I had the problem that many young men have is that I had an ego and pride and all of these things that would were blockades for me to have a breakthrough. And, you know, so like in, in the real estate business, selling real estate, um, I was a prospector. I called people and convinced them to use me to sell their houses. So we dealt with failure and rejection most of the time. And uh, that can have a numbing feeling or put a protective barrier around you. Uh, but if you can stay intuitive and emotional and sensitive about it, um, it starts to, to fine tune the way that you communicate and to listen. And I, I started to work through it and find some level of mastery in navigating through conversations and dealing with energy and people and understanding what's not really true, what's behind this, you know, um, and, and kind of working through the psychology of getting business. And it, it was brutal and it was feast or famine. And there was many years, you know, here in the, in the States, we had a huge, huge depression in 2007, 2008, banking crisis, 2009. In 2009, I did 104 short sales, right? So a short sale is when you have to sell a property for less than what the loan amount is. So you have to get the bank's permission on it and coordinate all the parties and uh, you know, drink tequila through the entire process. It's a nightmare, right? And a lot of times you don't get paid at the end. So, so we were hanging in like a loose tooth. That was the business model was to hang in. You know, you have two choices. You go in the fetal position or you swing. So I just have always figured that one sounds, one has a lot more hope than the other. So I just, I, I swung and, you know, we were getting hit more than we were landing. And what I think one of the big breakthroughs that I had, um, which I think you guys can totally understand is once you got, once you started subtracting all the white noise from your life, a narrow focus brings you far deeper. So for me, it was like, you know, I hired a coach and he said, listen, what are you good at? And I listed two or three things. And he's like, what are you not good at? And I listed most things. And, you know, instead of trying to make my, my, my areas where I'm a, I'm shit, at least average, that was a waste of time. I'll delegate that out. So I became laser focused saying, I'm very good at explaining to agents that we're getting screwed. And I'm also very good at um, leading agents and showing the blueprints of how to get out of this mess. Those are the two things I'm good at. So everything else was a no, including selling real estate. I had to let that go. And letting that go, it's not an easy sell. I had a wife and a, at that time, only one, I had a one little boy. So I had to go back to my wife and say, I'm quitting an industry that I've been in for 21 years to do something that I've been doing for seven months. And it was a hard sell. But the fact of the matter is, is one thing my wife knows is that I'm, um, I, I am not going to uh, uh, steer away from things that scare me. Everything scares me, <laughs> right? So, so that's, you know, that's the whole point of having courage is not to not be scared or to be a, a cool as a cucumber, is to be able to work through that neurotic garbage and start integrating and, and, and putting a dent in things. So for me, you know, it's been a lot of hard work. On EXP, we had 3,800 agents when I came over here in 2017. Wow. 
right? We have 60,000 now, guys. Um, we had wow. 40, 40 agents in, in, in my region in North Carolina, and these are not the 40 agents that you would have handpicked if you had a choice. So we had a lot of damage control. We had a rebrand. We had to build this thing out. Now we have, you know, I have a thousand of my own agents in this market, right? So, so it's, it's been a lot of work. But if you think about it, all of the things that you know that you should be doing, all the things that you wish you had in you, you got to carry that 100 pound stone around and everywhere. Whereas me, I don't have to carry anything. I feel very light. It's a lot of hard work, but when I'm done, I'm done. And I don't have anything tormenting me mentally. And you know, I'm at a stage right now because I'm getting old, right? I'm at a stage right now where I'm like, listen, I want to have mastery on the important things of life. I want to have a super, super close marriage with my wife, which means that I have to invest time and not have my cell phone in my hand. I want to have a good relationship with my kids, which means that I have to do things they want to do and I got to be present, right? I want to have a good relationship with my parents because they're in their 60s, right? I want to be in good shape because I don't like not being able to take my shirt off at the beach. I don't lift weights. I've just been doing push-ups all year, right? So I know I'm not going to go to a gym for an hour. I'm not that person, right? I just, I, can't, I, can't, I won't go, <laughs> but I can drop down and do a hundred pushups between this call and my next call. And then when I go home, I can do a hundred. And then my four-year-old will do a hundred with me at night, even though he doesn't bend his elbows, right? So, so we have the ability to, like, I want to have a reasonably good handle on everything, not to where I'm this like perfectionist or tight-knit lunatic that's a control freak on all, all elements of my life, but I want to show up. And when I see a lot of people in the world where they're not showing up, they're not showing up anywhere. Someone who's late to a call, they're late to meet their spouse, they're late to their doctor's appointment, they're late to all their dreams and goals, they're late to the phone call. It's always showing up everywhere. And I think as a man, you know, forget about EXP. As I evolve and I try to become a, a wiser and better person, which by the way, I don't think I have enough years left to get to where I think I need to go. But all of that being said is that I want to move the needle. And what I've realized is that it's just like daily choices. You know, could I go eat a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and drink a gallon of milk at my desk? Of course, I'd be in heaven, right? But that's not going to happen, right? I have to eat a salad today. But what's more painful, eating the salad over the sandwich? Yes, for 15 minutes. But my body image and feeling good and healthy and all my vitals being good is a lot less stress than the alternative. So it's like, you pick your hard, <laughs> right? They're both always going to be hard. It's just the temporary pain is easier to deal with. See, so, yeah, I don't know. Hey, that, that's incredible. And so much that we could, we could pick from what you've just said there. But the two main things that I got are that, A, it's knowing yourself. And B, it's important to follow your passions. Now, I think that's where as fundamental as that should be, because no one knows ourselves better than us and no one understands our own passions and what we want from life. I think ironically, the two things that should come easiest to us, the two things that people tend to struggle with. So can we coach that into people? Is that something that you've either got or yes. you've not that ability to be able to, to follow your instincts or is that, you know, are people a lost cause if they can't see it for themselves? Like what, what's your take so, on that? It's a good question that. Because when, when Rich was talking about the person who's late all the time, you know, you just know or you feel, don't you, that you can just constantly be on that person mm -hmm. and it just doesn't seem to get any better. But I'm interested to hear your answer, actually, because I often think I might be wrong here. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think that if you're not self-aware, then no, you can't fix anything. That is a lost cause. Now, what we have is too many people taking too much credit for being self-aware. 
because self-aware is bullshit. It's just theory. It's philosophy. Okay. I know I should do better. Integration is where the magic happens. So I think awareness is, is the litmus test for being able to change at all, to be aware that change is needed, but integration is where the character building happens. And, you know, I, in my, and this is just an opinion, of course, you know, but essentially I think that you have to be in enough pain to make the change. So what people are, if you're 15 pounds overweight, you're not in enough pain to go on a crash diet. You're just accepting having a lower self-esteem about the way that your, your image is, you know, or the way that you feel. If your marriage is good, but it's not bad, there's a lot less incentive for, to make it great. And, you know, what, what I started to realize was, you know, we started to make a lot of money at EXP, like money that we can't believe. Okay. And it still hasn't even registered. I've been here for four years, right? I remember when I had my first son, it, I couldn't believe I was a father for weeks. Like it just didn't compute, right? Like it didn't settle in. I, I didn't think of myself as the father, even though I was doing fatherly things, right? So this hasn't really computed. But at this point, if we can remove financial stress from our lives, which is not something I say lightly, right? Then what else do I have time to focus on? And I realized, wow, I can get it in better shape because I have time to do push-ups. I don't have to buy any weights. It doesn't have to, uh, um, uh, 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 it, can, it can travel with me. Right? I can go see you guys in the UK, which I plan on doing. I could do push-ups in my hotel. I'm not, off, I'm not off schedule ever. So I try to think about things that I can do that require only discipline. And, you know, like my wife, I spend a lot more time with my wife now. We're closer than ever. So it's, it's it, at some point when you start seeing success happen in these different compartmentalized areas of life, it starts breeding an appetite for wanting to have sex and I mean, success, sex. <laughs> <laughs> the, 40 and, the, 40, the 40 and mine. Yeah. Yeah. If your sex is getting better, you probably want to have more sex. But as, as, as you get into these other areas of life, you start saying, look, I, I was able to, anything I focused on start, started to get better through daily disciplines and why not focus on other things? So like, so my goal this year is I'm going to start trying to learn how to speak Italian and I'm going to have my wife learn how to speak Italian and we're going to speak only Italian in the house. And I have one Italian friend that speaks Italian perfectly so I can practice. Why did I not choose Spanish? Because it didn't check those boxes. I didn't have anybody around me that spoke Spanish perfectly, even though that's a way more convenient language to learn. Spanish is such a popular uh, uh, language here, right? So, so it's just, you, I think you have to, like, like, like Ben said, you have to, you have to manipulate yourself, right? And you have to kind of rework the, the programs to where you get out of your way. So like for one thing, if I know that I, am, um, I ebb and flow with effort, I know that about myself. What I've chosen to do is fight hard every day for two hours and allow daily slack off time. Or if I know that I'm a bad spender, right? I, I'm not a good saver. Then what I do is I pay myself first and then I spend all of it, <laughs> but I pay myself first right? If I eat like shit, then what I load my calories in the morning and eat clean in the afternoon when I'm more dormant, right? So I, I, I trick the, if I'm bad at making outgoing phone calls, for me, the only app on my cell phone I don't like is the cell phone feature, right? So I'm bad at making outgoing phone calls. So it's very tough for me. So what I do is I text and I don't eat alone. I'll go eat with a friend and have face-to-face -face communication, but I'm not calling you and I'm not going to chat on the phone because I don't like talking on the phone, right? So I think you just have to think about all the things that I want to move the needle on 
how can I make this easier for myself to be successful in doing this? And, you know, for me, I, I, know, I know this is very unpopular to say, and some people are going to be really, really put off by this, but men specifically measure their value by their financial success. We have a bad habit of doing that. Yeah. And, you know, and, 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 and I'm embarrassed to say it, but by being able to make all the money that we make has improved my, my own self uh, uh, evaluation. I'm more confident that I can, I can do things. Well, that, that's because, Rich, I think that's less the emphasis on money, but it's the reality of what money brings because, you know, we see it here with agents all the time. You know, people will come in and say, oh, I'm not motivated by money. I just don't want to miss a school run or I just want to make sure I've got my weekends free. And it's like, well, great, that might be the motivation, but you can only facilitate that by having a amount of money that gives you the freedom to do that. So all Damn. roads kind of lean back to that. It all goes back to money. Yeah. People just don't want to, they just don't want to be judged. The fact of the matter is if, if my parents get sick in their 70s, I can go to the hospital in our town or we can go to one of the best hospitals in the country. I choose that, right? When I deal with my problems, because I have the same problems everybody else has, this allows me a few more options, right? If I see somebody that is dying on the vine and they're, they're, they don't have any food in the refrigerator, I don't have to just show empathy. I can go over there and fix it. So for me, I like options. And if this is the, the, the medium in which we use in this life to have more options, well, then I need more of that medium. Yeah. Yeah. This is what we say all the time, don't we, Ben? You know, I'm like, I think we're similar. We're not chasing Ferraris, Lamborghinis, that kind of thing. You know, I'm sure I'd enjoy that for a weekend, but it's not about that. For me, some of the best moments I've had since I went self-employed and, and now earning more money is sitting in my back garden, having a barbecue, knowing that all my bills are covered, you know, or, or when you get a rattle on your boiler, you know, it doesn't ruin my weekend. You know, I've had it before, you know, I look back to when I was employed and I can think of heading away to spend a weekend with my family. And just before we went, the boiler starts to make a funny noise. And all weekend I'm half thinking, God, I hope that's not going to cost me a few grand. Yeah. You know, it's funny. So like my, my parents, right. Um, they live five houses down from me. We're on the same street and you know, if their air conditioning breaks, it's $13,000 to fix it. And I'm like, well, we made that yesterday. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right. So it's just, it's, it, 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 it actually, if used properly, not only re reduces the anxiety within you internally, it reduces yeah. the anxiety of everyone you care about. And I think yeah. that's where the magic happens. So, you know, one of the things that makes me super excited to be in the real estate industry is that um, we're able to actually uh, sort of, um, uh, share the blueprints and help people fix their problems. I'm not a big fan of fixing other people's problems, but empowering them to be able to have mastery of things that are new to them is, is quite interesting. So I had my first agent totally retire last month. So I haven't been here for four years, totally retired, right? Her retirement plan before EXP was stroke or heart attack, totally retired <laughs> out, right? She's 52. Okay. I have my second agent totally retiring now, right? Now we have two choices. That, so that's three of us that have made it past the finish line in four years within my circle. Now I have 10 or 12 on deck. They're very close. Now we have two choices. We can either, you know, learn how to play piano and get, you know, braces and go back and revisit things that we skipped, or we can help other people do that. And we have all take, taken the choice to invest two hours Monday through Thursday 
and bring more people to the top of the mountain. Rich, just um, a, a thought, and I'm, I could be wrong. The, the two agents you've mentioned there, they're both female, I think. Are they both female? I, don't, I won't make you name names because it's private for them, but yes. I, I notice a lot of, of, of women doing really well on the rev share and the agent introduction side of, of the whole EXP piece. Do you think somewhere deep down maybe women are more interested in helping people rather than chasing the financial gain. And actually that's a huge advantage doing what we do. Yes. I mean, so here's, here, here's the, here's the job title that I have. I help people at no expense to them and EXP reimburses me because they've streamlined their expenses and rewards me for helping other people. Sounds cheap, doesn't it? So, so it's just, it's one of those deals where women tend to have a nurturing side to them. Many of them. And by the more they help and the more charitable and the more they invest in other people, this is the only brokerage that's ever existed that financially rewards them for that to, to where they can do it more. Yeah. So, so the person that I'm referring to, Scott, that you know, I think initially you're guessing on, has helped 540 people do what she did. So it's, it's a pay it forward mechanism. If you think about it, like I had, I did a revenue share explained video on YouTube and I had some you know, kid with acne in his mom's basement, you know, trolling me on the internet, right? No, this is a Ponzi scheme. You guys are uh, a bunch of uh, con artists, right? And I responded and I said, you know, I guess you're much more comfortable with the conventional way where five rich old men make all the money and the rest of us earn a wage enough to keep us enslaved until we're 65. That's much more comfortable to you, isn't it? You know? And then he went on another attack, but there's really no, if you think about how businesses have been structured for years, you know, there's, there's no spreading, you know, we talk about in the United States, I don't want to get into politics, but you know, uh, Reagan back in the eighties, our president talked about trickle down economics, right. And then the, the opposition used to always say, well, it never trickles down. So you had this whole idea, does the government support everybody or does the government create opportunity in an environment for people to succeed or not succeed, but it's based on their own efforts, two yeah. radically different strategies. And they both have their, their weak spots and their, and their, and their pros. Now, at EXP, it's 100% trickle-down economics. EXP takes 50% of their gross revenue from five companies all under the umbrella of the XPI. It takes 50% of their money and it pays all their bills. They don't even pay it out of the 50% they give back to us. They pay their bills. They're working on a 14% margin, <laughs> right? And then the other entire 50%, in which we had nothing to do with, except decide that we wanted to work with our friends and share the fact that we're getting compensated in a remarkably more rewarding way, all comes back to us through shares of stock or through revenue share. So, so when you look at this model, if you're a humanitarian or you want people to succeed, this is the only trickle down system I've ever seen happen. Now, does it trickle down to people that are doing nothing? Well, even in some senses it does. They get shares of stock when they sell real estate, which is what they came over here to do. So even at the very lowest level of, of, of interaction, they're getting, they're still getting something for it. Now for the people like us that sell lots of property, yeah, we get a lot more stock. And for the people that like us that say, Hey, listen, you know, you can do exactly what you're doing over there, but then over the course of 10 years, this is what you're missing out on. Let me illustrate what your job looks like plugged into this model and how that could benefit you, your kids, your peace of mind, shorten your career distance, all of that stuff. And they say, okay, this is logical. A fifth grader can understand the math of this. Plus I get to work with my friends, Ben and Scott. Plus I get to brand myself. Plus I can do 
35% less deals and make the same amount of money, I'll yeah. come over. Right. So. Plus it mate, it's that, um, it's the impact side of things as well. Like as humans, we like to be helpful with social creatures. We want to, you know, we want to see other people succeed and in a weird kind of way, the more selfless you are, the more selfish it is because you get more back. I mean, Scott, we got tagged into a podcast, uh, a post, sorry, only this morning about this podcast from one of our new agents saying, I'm out doing my prospecting and banging on doors and there's nothing more motivating than listening to Ben and Scott. Now that filled my heart with more love and happiness than invoicing for 30 grand's worth of fees last month. You, well, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, I, my wife is so over me telling her how much money I've made in a month. She's yeah. so over that, you know, every time, every few days. But she will be hearing that story because I won't better help but share it. Hey, guess what? <laughs> Someone's listening to our pod and <laughs> getting something out of it. And it feels great. feels great. Let me show you what four, you know, three years down the road looks like. So um, I was so obsessed and shocked and externally processing these revenue share checks that my wife started to think that I had turned into a complete asshole. Right. I mean, I couldn't stop talking. I'm checking it seven, eight times a day. Yeah, same as us. Yeah, it's not so, what you're talking about. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just if it could drip right into my arm, I just carry the the the, the <laughs> pin around, right? And and I had to go through that embarrassing process of 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 being able to play a cool hand and say this is happening, but I don't have to even seem excited about that. So you know, I became Daniel Day Lewis and began to you know to act better. Now at some point it became so ordinary to where I check my revenue share once every two days. Now, guess what? My wife checks it five or six times a day. So what happens is it just gets, it just grows. So, you know, you can't scale a hero, right? So that's why all of these estate agencies has hired talent like you guys. You guys are the retirement plan. So you're gonna go out there and execute things while they drive around in Bentleys and have tea and- yeah and stay at nice restaurants and go on long vacations. And I'm not saying that they didn't earn it. I'm saying they obviously earned it, <laughs> but you guys are the retirement plan. Let's be clear. And here at EXP, it doesn't work that way, right? So EXP is allowing us to build a team and invest in others and show them how to do this to where we all build a retirement plan concurrently, right? So, you know, you guys having success, like look, I haven't been to London since I was 15. Uh, I'll tell you a real quick funny story. I know you guys are light on this, but I was 15. I had like, you know, the, the typical shitty attitude of a 15 year old. I was wearing a Guns N' Roses shirt with the sleeves cut off and I had a mullet, you know, my hat backwards. And I'm pissed off that I'm not with my girlfriend. My parents dragged me to, to, to London and I'm standing in front of Big Ben and I go to my dad, hey, what time is it? And he goes, hey, stupid, turn around, right? So it was like, when it, that was the last time I've been to London. And now we have 220 estate agents and, you know, we're working together internationally i mean how cool is that we're all building this together if you guys don't succeed i don't succeed therefore Rich, when you come over you you it, it's now struggled to do a 20 minute journey in any direction and not see a board really yeah so i drove halfway across the country to go to a theme park last weekend and i was pointing out boards like to my wife going oh my god there's so-and-so's board and i was just it's just, oh, mate, you wait, wait till you come over. My yeah, boy. fantastic. Okay. Yeah. So, so, Scott, so here's another thing for me. So, in Charlotte, we have 15,000 real estate agents, right? And we were doing about $40 million of production when I came over in 2017. The team that I brought over was doing more production than the company. Okay. <laughs> so, we plugged into EXP. Uh, we went from 40 million in four years to 1.5 billion in sales. If I put my car in reverse, I back into an EXP sign. Yeah. If I text and drive, 
I smash into an EXP billboard. <laughs> it's so dominant out here that really our advertising dollars are zero. Yeah. It gets better. Can't wait. Can't okay, wait. So that, that's probably a nice little segue, mate, just to kind yeah. of wrap up because I'm mindful of time and we've kept you for longer than what we said we would do. Um, cool. Getting good growth on both sides of the pond from your side of things rich what does the future look like the next five years where do we take things because you're you're way beyond sitting here today on the podcast you're way beyond the wildest dreams of success for a lot of people so where do you go from here you're probably you know you're in your 40s now another 20 years if you choose to continue to work where do things go what does the future look like what excites you moving forward given what you've already achieved and the impact that you've already had um really honestly just witnessing you guys go through it that's probably the currency that I'm on right now. Good answer. Um, so I'll, I'll, <laughs> well, I'll continue to do this so I can see the stories and how the books, you know, how the book ends on some of these. Um, but I won't be working in my 60s, so please don't uh, confuse that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'll be uh, my next birthday. I turn 45, so um, maybe around 50. I'm probably at that point uh, throwing my cell phone in the ocean. Uh, and uh, so, for personally, uh, my my agency has been doubling every single year. So right now I'm at 1,700 agents. I'll be at 3,400 agents this time next year and, and onward. So in five years, you know, I could have very easily 15,000 agents in my group and have a very rich experience there. Um, I think I'll be living in, uh, uh, in the States, but I'll definitely have a house in Tuscany or somewhere out there in Europe to where I can travel uh, by train uh, efficiently and easily. I'll have a hub out there for sure. Hey, that's amazing Good for you. And just picking up some subliminal growth and what you just said, you know, just in conversation there, you said I'm over 1700 agents coming into the podcast. I did a little bit of research just to kind of remind myself of your, your numbers. And I seen an update from less than three weeks ago. You took a screenshot and you had 1600 agents. That's a yeah. hundred agent growth in the time it's taken for us to have this conversation, which is just yeah. mind blowing and really puts into perspective just how realistic and within grasp those figures are that you've just said. So that's amazing, Rich and all power to yeah because you're having an incredible impact as you go so i'll power Thank to you, you mate. hey last note i think when i met you guys i probably only had 300 agents crazy and so, you know you guys you guys can see it happening right it's like you know exp's success grows like a child it's evident all the time yeah yeah but it's it was lovely to be here uh, i hope i gave you guys what you wanted but i could talk to the two of you guys onward i forgot that we were recording so yeah likewise I'm, I'm sitting here and i just can't believe where that time's gone so thanks so much for jumping on rich and uh for all your help so far over the last 18 months and uh Absolutely, yeah really appreciate your time second that mate i'll buy you a drink in vegas don't worry about yeah. that <laughs> so are you both are you both coming scott are you coming uh, the plan is as it stands yeah it looks like it yeah, look it's looking good. For a politician's answer the plan <laughs> as it stands maybe uh, yeah, listen i don't like sleeping i don't like sleeping away from my wife and kids i don't actually particularly like being on airplanes and i don't like hotels unless my family's with me so this is a big ask but i'm going for two days so if that if that helps you in any way we'll maybe fly in via north carolina say hello well if you fly in with me then we'll go fly first class from Charlotte to Las Vegas, because the front of the plane is so much more enjoyable. <laughs> I look forward to finding out. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Rich. Absolute yeah, pleasure. Bye, guys.